0: On today's episode of the Rami Lavi podcast, we have a recap of part two of the Subway series. Will we get a part three in the 2022 MLB World Series of the Subway series? Also, Kevin Durant is staying in Brooklyn. He has recommitted to the Nets, at least for now. How long will it last is the question. And we got some NFL storylines or things that will become storylines, mainly the New York Jets quarterback situation with Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco. And is Tom Brady being slept on going into this NFL season. All that and Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I often talk on this podcast about breaking the stigma surrounding mental health. So if you're feeling stressed, depressed, or just want to talk, today's sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed, experienced therapist online, and you have access to over 20,000 different therapists that you may not have access to in your area. All you have to do is fill out a questionnaire, and 48 hours later, you're set up with a therapist that fits your needs. You can then schedule video or phone calls and have access to unlimited messages back and forth with your experienced therapist. You can also change to a new therapist at any time with no extra charge. I often talk on this podcast about how perspective is anything, and that's something I learned in therapy. I had terrible anxiety, and I learned about how changing your perspective can change the reality. So take charge of your mental health and join the over 2 million people who already use BetterHelp for therapy online today. And if you use my code, you can get an extra 10% off on your first month. So go to betterhelp.com slash Rami for 10% off. That's B-E-T-T-E-R- Help, H-E-L-P.com slash Rami for 10% off your first month. Do it today. Welcome back to the Rami Lavi podcast, episode 86. This time for real, though. Last time was episode 85, and the way I wrote it in my notes was I wrote it for episode 86, but I ended up recording things that I talked about that I wanted to talk about in episode 86 and episode 85. And that's why I kept saying episode 86, but last one was 85. This one's 86. Now you know what's what. And of course, the Rami Lavi podcast is presented, as always, by BetterHelp. Go to betterhelp.com slash Rami. That's my first name, R-A-M-I, to get 10% off your first month of online therapy. And it's caught up to me. It finally has caught up to me after a year and a half, roughly, of yelling at myself on a podcast three times a week. I've had my first like extended period where my voice is a little bit sore. And it's not as strong as it usually is. And it's kind of funny because if you know me, you know I have a really strong voice. And so, if you hear me, it kind of sounds relatively ro- normal, but it's just not quite where it can get to, <laughs> I know, when I'm, like, yelling. Um, and if you know what I'm talking about, if you ever heard my beautiful singing voice, I'm not going to sing on this podcast. That's something for a different time. If I get a live show on the air anytime soon, I promise I'll sing all the time. It's a little extra motivation for my program directors to put me on the air. But, That being said, we've got a loaded show today. A lot to talk about. Um, And like I said, my voice a little bit, not exactly where I want it to be. So that's why I didn't record earlier in the week. I was hoping it would pass drinking hot water, drinking tea. I didn't do any of that. Just drinking Red Bull and regular water not helping as much. Um, So hopefully uh, we can get back on track with The Voice and I could continue recording three times a week. And honestly, maybe I should just stop talking as much in between my episodes, maybe try and sleep a little bit more. Uh, It's been a busy time. We had a family wedding this week, uh, a lot going on. Uh, My mom's 50th birthday, which I talked about a little bit on last episode, family time, all that stuff. So that's a good thing. In the summer, there's a lot going on and there's not a lot of sports going on. So the good news is I didn't miss out on on a ton, but there's definitely stuff that I'm ready to talk about and want to talk about. So here we are. And we just wrapped up the Subway series between the Yankees and the Mets. This concluded the season series, which the two teams split, which I know everyone wants to talk about because that's the big topic in New York. But I think the bigger topic and more along the lines of what I talk about on this podcast is Kevin Durant is staying. And I remember where I was when I did the initial reaction to Kevin Durant demanding a trade. I was sitting in a studio down the hall in the traffic studio a few weeks ago. It was right after the Stanley Cup final. And I was talking about Kevin Durant demanding a trade and my initial reactions to it. And guess what my initial reaction was? And I should probably play it on this episode. But my initial reaction was fake news. I don't buy it. It's going to blow over. And guess what? I was right. So obviously the biggest story that happens today is Kevin Durant. He asks out of Brooklyn. This is too classic. Yesterday, was it yesterday, two days ago, Kyrie announced that he's signing? To quote Kyrie, he is honoring his commitment to Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets and staying for his fourth year of the contract to play with Kevin Durant and try and win a championship. Uh, No, you're not. Now, my initial reaction, so a friend someone who listens to the podcast, apparently, reached out right away. And he's like, what's your initial reaction? And I was in the studio. I literally didn't have time to think. And my initial, initial reaction was BS. There's no way this is actually happening. That was my first reaction. I was sitting here. I was like, well, we never know what actually happens because of everything I just mentioned, how things change so quickly in the NBA. Who knows if this is true or not? We don't know if this is true. This could just be another scam, another report that came out of nowhere. And then this guy will change his mind tomorrow. The Nets will go beg to him, and they'll say, no, 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 we're going to bring in this. Ben Simmons is going to be good, all these different things. And then he's going to turn around and say, fine, you know what? I have to stay. I guess I'll stay. You know, I appreciate it. Kyrie Irving's here. We're, we're going to honor our commitment. So that was my first initial reaction. And then I was like, wait, maybe, maybe this could actually happen. If I was KD, I would want to get the hell out of Brooklyn also. Kyrie Irving's talking about leaving. And then he signs the extension or opts into his final year of the contract with the Nets. But this is all on you, You hitched your wagon to a guy like Kyrie. You decided, hey, this is my guy. We're going to be together. We're going to do this together. And he might still be hitched to Kyrie. Maybe they get traded together. Who knows? But Kevin Durant, this is his whole thing. He loves the chaos. He loves the drama. This is what he loves. And the biggest story is he doesn't care about the titles. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. All he does is what he feels like. What's going to be easy? What feels best for him in this moment? It felt bad when he blew a three-one lead to Golden State. So I'm going to join them now. Now the Nets played hardball with Kyrie, but ultimately Kyrie opts in. Maybe Kevin Durant said, "No, no, no, we don't play hardball with my guys." Hey, I'm out of here. I'm requesting a trade. Now at the end of the day, maybe the Nets still will play hardball, right? Because at the end of the day, they have him under contract, right? They have to be the ones who trade him. It can't just come out of nowhere. Right, The Nets need to trade Kevin Durant. It's not just that he just gets to decide where he wants to go. We're so used to this in the NBA where the players are so entitled, the players decide everything, that even when they're under contract, we're just like, okay, they're just going to go wherever they want because that's how it's been. But at the end of the day, the contract actually means something or does it, right? So can you just say if you're Kevin Durant, I want out, goodbye? No, not really. Now you could do what James Harden did, although I can't imagine Kevin Durant getting fat on us. But you could be out of shape you could mail it in. You could just play or not play and say, hey, I'm sitting till you trade me. We've seen that done before. But maybe the Nats will continue to play hardball because what else is their option? Like, what are they going to get for KD? When did Kevin Durant decide to make this decision? Like, that's something that I thought about also. Did he know this whole time while, Kevin, while Kyrie was arguing with the team? Or was it really just spur of the moment, like I said, and it was just this is what I feel like in this moment? Well, if it's the latter, he could change his mind at any point also, right? Like, we don't know for sure that this is guaranteed going to happen. None of this means anything. He literally, his extension did not kick in yet. It used to be a big deal when a guy had two years left on his contract and he'd ask for a trade. We'd say, hey, what kind of leverage does this guy have? He's on an expiring contract. He has two years left. Kevin Durant, his extension, his four-year extension didn't even kick in yet, and he's already asking out, and everyone's acting like he has all the leverage in the world. At what point do we look at this and say, no, the Nets actually have the leverage? The Nets can put their foot down here and say, No, we're not doing this. We're not trading this guy. We're not going to be bullied by another player. So do the Nets hold strong? Do they say, hey, we blew up everything for you guys. We don't want to start over. Or maybe another team looks at this and says, are we really going to be that team that blows it all up for these guys? They've proven to be unreliable. They've proven to be that they don't care. Yeah, on paper, we have four more years of Durant. But what if he comes here and in a year, he's like, I don't want you either. I want to leave now. Then what happens? And by the way, KD, he signed the extension. He could do this again in a week. And it doesn't matter. So these contracts mean nothing. They mean nothing. So if you're the team and you're just giving away draft picks, you're going to do it. You're going to give away draft picks. You're going to sign the huge contract. And you're just praying to keep the guys happy. You're praying that the superstars stay happy. And then there's the option of him just staying in Brooklyn, like I said all along. That's also a possibility. We don't know what's going to happen, but it's been fun. And it's going to continue to be fun. NBA free agency doesn't even start yet. And this has already been a hell of a ride. That was recorded on June 30th, the day that Kevin Durant demanded the trade. I told you it was BS. It probably wasn't going to happen. What leverage does he have? And with all that, as the weeks went on, it seemed like it was more and more realistic that they were going to trade him. And especially last week when he came out and said, I want Sean Marks gone. When he came out and said, I want Steve Nash gone. All of a sudden, it seemed like Kevin Durant's not backing down. And we had never seen this before. It was unprecedented, right? A guy with four years left on his contract asking out. We'd seen guys with a year, a year and a half, two years. We saw guys who were willing to sabotage their own careers and their own teams and totally give up like James Harden just to get their trade. But we had never seen this. We had never seen a guy who's a superstar, the best player on his team, who had everything catered to him. He brought Kyrie with him. He fired the old head coach. He hired the new head coach. And now he decides he wanted out. And he was just going to get his way. That's what was going to happen. The guy who's the best player in the world, arguably today, the best offensive player we have in basketball right now, was just going to get his way with four years left on a contract with Kyrie just signing a new deal. Were they really going to get rid of the general manager that got them in position to sign this guy? It didn't make sense. And finally, a team stood strong. For all this time, all we talked about was when are teams finally going to be pushed back? It's always the superstars. They always end up getting their way because the superstars league. And you'd give up anything to get Kevin Durant. But this was the perfect storm. And it's exactly what we talked about. There, are, It's not just because they didn't want to trade Kevin Durant, with which obviously they didn't want to trade Kevin Durant. But they were going to make someone blow them away with a package. They were going to make someone give up everything. And if I'm the Toronto Raptors, am I really giving up Scotty Barnes for a guy who maybe in a year from now won't be happy here? Whatever team was going to give up the huge package that Brooklyn obviously would have needed to get for Kevin Durant, if you're the Boston Celtics, you have a great thing going over there, right? You just went to a championship. You lost to the Warriors in the finals, but you just went to the finals. Yeah, you could give up Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant. I would do it a thousand times out of a thousand times. It's Kevin effing Durant. But maybe in a year from now, he doesn't want to play there. And then you blew up your entire team. You blew up something that you've been building for a guy who's now asking for a trade. And the second time you trade him, you're going to get even less. It's 40 cents on the dollar. So it never made sense from day one, like I said back in June. It didn't make sense then. And the way it played out was the most logical way for it to play out. But like Bill Simmons tweeted right when this news broke... Thank you Kevin Durant. We had no content the entire summer and from June 30th until August 24th, we were able to fill hours and hours of sports talk radio and podcasts and segments and TV shows and everything with where's Kevin Durant going to go this summer. So we'd like to thank you as the media, personally thank Kevin Durant for doing us this all, doing us all this favor. Thank you Kevin Durant. But at the end of the day, It ended the way we thought it was all going to end. That said, part one is over. I say ended, but this chapter has ended. He's going to go into next season and start for the Brooklyn Nets at forward. And Kyrie's going to be there in a contract year. And they're going to be a championship contender if Ben Simmons plays, if Kyrie plays, if Kevin Durant's fully healthy. That should be a contender in the East, right? That's part one. But what happens three weeks into the season if they get off to a slow start? If Kyrie starts doing his shenanigans, if Ben Simmons still is MIA not showing up, then what does Kevin Durant do? This is an over-over. Like I said, there's four more years left on this contract. That's why they couldn't trade him today. But he already said he's recommitting for this year. And by the way, if you look at the statement that was put out by the Brooklyn Nets, it was not a statement from the Brooklyn Nets. It was a joint statement from the Durant party and the Brooklyn party. Those two parties are very separate right now. It's not a joint union. It's not a unity between the two teams. They're trying to work together to make this year work. And I bet Kevin Durant, someone told him in his ear, maybe it was Rich Kleiman, maybe it was the Nets, somewhere someone said, buddy, just buy back in for one year. Prove your worth again. Show everyone that you could be a team player because if you could show everyone that you could be a team player, then we'll be able to move you. Right now, nobody knows if you're a team player. You're coming off a year where you got bounced and swept in the first round. Come back for a year. Be a team player, and maybe we'll get more interest, and then we'll be able to trade you. But the way things stand right now, we can't trade you. And for Kevin Durant, that's smart. He can ultimately get what he wants by coming back for this one year. And like I said, if you're the Nets, you do whatever it takes to keep this guy. Even if it's a one-year championship window with Durant and Ben Simmons and Kyrie, if they're on top of their games and they play to the capability that we know they're capable of playing at, they're a championship contender. And so they'll find other pieces to put around them, Seth Curry, whoever it is, but they can win a championship with the team that they have currently. If all three of those guys buy in and they play the full season and they're healthy come playoff time, look out for that team. And that's why the Nets stood strong because if it was any other player, he would have been gone. He would have been traded. But for a guy like Kevin Durant, who you gave up everything to get in the first place, that's what you had to do. Does that mean this ends the saga? Does that mean more teams are now going to, quote unquote, hold strong next time a player asks out? 1,000% not. The player's still going to get his way most of the time. This is a rare situation. This is a guy who just signed a four-year contract. This is a guy who teams weren't sure if they should trade for. But you know what my proof is that this is not going to set a precedent for teams in the NBA? is in six months from now, we might be having this exact same conversation about Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets. To think that every moment in time is a learning moment is not necessarily true. I started with the NBA. I'm going to stick with the NBA. I mentioned LeBron James' contract and how much it's worth and how he's worth even more. I read an interesting article from Tommy Beer, and I just want to share it, about R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett has been in trade rumors this week for Donovan Mitchell. And I know what you're thinking. R.J. Barrett, this is the guy you don't want to give up. Finally, you have someone who's eligible for the second contract after a rookie contract, the first contract after the rookie contract. The Knicks haven't signed a guy like that since the 90s. Mitchell Robinson broke that record. He's the first Knicks to get a second contract. You have to sign sign R.J. Barrett to that second contract, and you have to do it soon. The new CBA is coming in. The new TV money is coming in. And guess what? Guys like R.J. Barrett are going to be making... $50-$60 $50-$60 million a year within the next two years. The fact that today you could sign R.J. Barrett to a contract that starts in the mid-30s and ends in the low-40s, you have to sign that deal today because that's going to be a low-end salary come four years from now when he's making $42 million. He's going to be worth at least 60 if he progresses to the point we think he's progressing. The whole idea of them trading R.J. Barrett because they don't want to give up so many picks and they don't want to give up Quentin Grimes... They have to figure out what they're going to do to get Donovan Mitchell. Look, talks are back on. It seems like the Jazz are a little bit more desperate than they were previously. They know the Knicks have the best package to give. But if you're the Knicks, the guys that the Jazz are insisting on getting, whether it's R.J. Barrett, whether it's Quentin Grimes or Emmanuel Quickley, those three guys need to be absolute hang up the phone, don't call me back until you're asking for someone who is not one of those guys. Because if the Jazz and Danny Ainge really want them, you know that they have the value. And that's how you know you shouldn't be giving them away. So New York Knicks, sign RJ, keep him, don't trade him, and thank your lucky stars in three years from now that you did that. That said, do I want Donovan Mitchell? Yes. And I saw people saying, well, Donovan Mitchell doesn't make you a championship team. Here's something interesting I heard from Ryan Rossillo, And that was a good argument. Something that I said, that if you get Donovan Mitchell, do you just become the Nicks, Where you didn't really win anything. You went to the playoffs a couple of times. And the retort to that that Ryan Rossillo had on his podcast, because he made that same point. He asked that same question. But then he answered the question with, if every trade was greeted with the question, does this make me a championship team? Then no trades would ever happen. Because even when you signed Kevin Durant, And Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn, to go back to them for a second. The answer, does this win me a championship? The answer would have been maybe. The answer is always maybe. But you know that Donovan Mitchell takes you one step closer to a championship than you are today. So you make the trade. 10 times out of 10 times. Do I think they should give up Quentin Grimes or Emmanuel Quickly or RJ Barrett? No. But everyone else is available. And you make that trade because a guy like Donovan Mitchell is a guy who's proven that he could do it in the playoffs. And the answer, does he automatically win you a championship? No, he doesn't. But there's nobody who guarantees you a championship. Even Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving didn't guarantee you a championship. Look how that's gone for them. So net fans are all happy. I also saw this. Somebody was talking about it. How and this is kind of funny. Somebody was saying, look at net fans. Julius Randle booed the Knicks fans. And the Knicks fans want him out of here. Kevin Durant wanted to leave and wanted to have your coach fired. And you guys welcomed him back with open arms. Of course they welcomed him back with open arms. He's Kevin Durant. This is not Julius Randle. Julius Randle also booed the fans. Kevin Durant never had anything bad to say about the fans. He said he didn't want to be on that franchise with Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons. A couple of head cases. He didn't want to have a terrible coach anymore. in Steve Nash. Even though he hired him. He didn't want him anymore. And he didn't want Sean Marks. For whatever reason, because he was trying to make a stink about something, so he decided to pick on Sean Marks. He never did anything to the fans. And guess what? If he did do something to the fans, they would still welcome him back with open arms because he's the best player in the world right now. And so it's worth it. So don't give me this, oh, hi, you know, I'm going to stand up in my high tower and look down at you net fans. I'm a Knicks fan. I'm not looking down at the Nets fans who are running back into Kevin's arms and thanking him every single day that he stayed. Because I was a Nets fan, I would do the same thing. And if Kevin Durant was on the Knicks, I would do the exact same thing. He's not Julius Randle. Do not compare those two. Speaking of teams and people and fan bases getting on their high horse and being all high and mighty, the Yankee fans need to shut up. I'm a Yankee fan. I love the Yankees. And I love what happened over the last two days. The Yankees beat the Mets. And if you look at the difference between the two series The Yankees' bullpen started to work, and Aaron Judge hit home runs again. So am I glad that the Yankees won three games in a row since Aaron Boone smacked on the table? Yeah, it's the first time they won back-to-back games, I think, in the entire month of August. And they won three games in a row, finally. It's the first series they won, I think, in six or seven series. Yeah, I'm happy about that. Do I think it has that much to do with Aaron Boone smacking on the table? No, it has to do with Aaron Judge hitting a couple homers and the bullpen finally stepping up. And Clark Schmidt and Ron Marinaccio being on the Major League roster and getting the big outs that we knew they were capable of getting. But no, we had to set them down to the minors because they had options. We could have won a lot of those games that the Yankees lost over the last couple of weeks if Ron Maranaccio and Clark Schmidt were here. Don't tell me otherwise. And it's absolutely criminal that they were down there. But now that they're back, they have to stay back and the Yankees need to keep winning because they put themselves in a situation now where they built that huge lead early, but now they need to find their way. They need to get themselves right. They have about a month and a half, a little bit less, to get right before the playoffs. And if they're limping into the playoffs, guess what? It's going to be the same thing as last year. They'll get knocked out in the first round. But what happened over the last couple of days, all I'm seeing on Twitter and all I'm hearing on the fan and all the different sports radio stations and podcasts is Yankee fans gloating. Oh, we thought the Mets were so good. Oh, we thought you have such a good closer. You have Where's Pete Alonzo? Where's Jeff McNeil? Where's all these guys? Guess what? Those guys are still there. And the Yankee fans, the same Yankee fans who after the Yankees lost two games in Citi Field said, Yeah, we don't really care. It's just the regular season. Not a big deal. We lost to the Mets in the regular season. What's the big deal? Those same Yankee fans are now going to come back and say, Oh, who's the best team in New York? Who's the big brother? Who's your daddy? You can't have it both ways, Yankee fans. I Look, I love to glow. I love that the Yankees beat the Mets. I love that Aaron Judge lay the smack down. I love that Andrew Benatendi is starting to hit and has become the player we traded for. But the reality is, the Mets are still a more complete team. If I had to pick one of the two teams today to win a World Series, I'd pick the Mets. They have Scherzer. They have DeGrom. They have the guy on the back end of the bullpen who they can trust. They have Pete Alonso who's having an incredibly clutch clutch year. They have Francisco Lindor. They have Starling Marte, who have also been extremely clutch. When Daniel Vogelback, who I forgot to mention in the last episode when I talked about how much I love the Mets, when he hit that bomb against the Yankees... You thought the Yankees were losing that game because he hit the two-run homer after Oswaldo Cabrera drops the pop-up. Yes, that's his fault. He backed into Marwan Gonzalez. It's so funny how that works also. Perspective is everything. I talk about that all the time. I talk about it in every show open when I do my live read. Perspective is everything, especially in this scenario because Marwan Gonzalez is a guy that Yankee fans decided to pick on. They hate him. They don't like him. He's not an everyday player. He's a backup. He's not very good. But when you're getting at bats once a week, you're not going to be very good. But he's a real professional ball player. He's been in the major league level for a long time. He's won championships. And he's been a real contributor on real big teams. And guess what? He was the outfielder calling off the infielder. And the outfielder coming in always has the right away, if you want to call it that. He has the right to call off the infielder. And as well to Cabrera, the guy who you're so happy that the Yankees brought up, made the wrong move. As far as the Yankees in general, Giancarlo Stanton's coming back. Frankie Montas finally had the start that at least resembles the guy the Yankees hope they traded for. Meanwhile, the best trade deadline acquisition that any team made was the St. Louis Cardinals getting Jordan Montgomery. So Yankee fans, there's still a lot of issues playing in this team. Aaron Hicks is still running out there at center field a lot of games. Until Harrison Bader is back, and he better be back soon, and he better be incredible, he better be Willie Mays to make up for the fact... That Jordan Montgomery has only given up two runs in three starts or four starts, whatever it is, and has been the best pitcher in baseball since being traded to the St. Louis Cardinals that you traded away. I mean, this is worse than trading for Sonny Gray over Justin Verlander because Justin Verlander seemed to be toast. He seemed to be done. I think he's traded for the guy who's supposed to be the best guy. Not only did you not get Luis Castillo and you got Frankie Montas instead, you had the guy on your team who's going to be the best deadline acquisition this year. The guy who pitched a one-hit shutout and only threw like 90-something pitches to do it for the St. Louis Cardinals the other day and is going to be shutting down rot lineups all the way to the World Series maybe for the Cardinals. You had that guy and you traded him away for Harrison Bader. Harrison Bader, there's going to be an insane amount of pressure on him to be one of the best players, one of the best center fielders the Yankees have seen in a long time. He better be this team's starting center fielder for the next 5, six, seven, 10 years because the Yankees just traded away a guy who's already proving to be worth every penny for the St. Louis Cardinals and maybe the best deadline acquisition. And you're a team who has World Series aspirations. You don't want to be giving away the guy who's the best deadline acquisition. You want to be getting that guy. But that said... Stanton's coming back. Zach Britton's coming back. Maybe he could be the closer if he's healthy this year. Marinaccio, we hope, is here to stay. Loisaga finally looked like himself. Wandy Peralta has closed out a couple of games and has pitched in big spots. And I saw you posted on Twitter this morning. Good morning, Yankee fans. Like He's feeling himself. He's confident, which I think for bullpen pitchers is huge. Montas did look better. Severino hopefully will come back. Maybe Garrett Cole. Maybe, just maybe, you can rely on him. And Nestor Cortez has not taken a misstep in a really long time. Trevino is the starting catcher, Benintendi is starting to hit, Aaron Judge is hitting again. He had a, I think it was like an eight game, quote unquote, Homer drought and people are freaking out. That's how you know his season has been insane. He went eight games without hitting a home run and people are losing it like, oh my God, Aaron Judge hasn't hit a home run in a month. It's eight games, it's a week, guys. (laughs) But that's how good Aaron Judge has been this year. And they have a day off, they can gather themselves before they go to Oakland and Anaheim And we'll see what they do this weekend. We'll see what they do starting in Oakland and continuing to Anaheim. We'll see how the Yankees do the rest of the way. But this is exactly what they have to do. They won the two games against the Mets. They have to gather themselves. They still have a big lead in the division despite it being only eight now. And it was 15 and a half. Doesn't matter. It's still a huge lead in the division. Just keep working. Keep fighting. And put yourself in the right position to be a hot team going into the playoffs. I'd rather this downstretch that they've had happen in August than it happened in September, three weeks before the playoffs. Who knows? Maybe in October, the team that we saw earlier in the year will return. And that's the question we talked about. Who is this team? This team is the same team we saw last year. It's wildly inconsistent. And when you think back to last year's team, how could you say this is the same team as last year? Josh Donaldson is here. We don't have Gio at as third. Gary Sanchez is not behind the plate anymore. We did all these things. We don't have Glaber Torres at shortstop anymore. He might not even be starting. If the playoffs started tomorrow, who knows if he's going to start a game for this team. I think ideally the perfect lineup, maybe Cabrera, Oswaldo Cabrera still up here. You have DJ for sure starting. Maybe Matt Carpenter's back. He's starting at third base. Are we sure Josh Donaldson and Glaber Torres are going to be having starting spots in the playoffs on this team? You fill up the outfield with Benintendi, Judge, and Bader, and Sands at the DH spot. Where are Josh Donaldson and Glaber fitting into this lineup come postseason time? I don't know if they do. So, the point is, you have a wildly different team than you had at the beginning of last year, but it still feels the same. It still feels like it's ups and downs and totally inconsistent. But you know what's great about being a fan? That through all the ups and downs, we could yell and scream about this team when they're bad. We could be all happy and high and mighty when they're good. And no one holds us accountable. We don't have to do anything because we're fans that's what we're supposed to do so whether it's the Knicks fans who are on their high horse about Kevin Durant and us wanting Julius Randle out of town who by the way if Julius Randle starts putting up triple doubles again and is the 2020 Julius Randle in 2022 we're going to be cheering him just as loudly if not louder than we boot him so when you laugh at the Nets fans who are cheering for one of the greatest players in the league today and one of the greatest scorers of all time coming back to their team when you laugh at them Check yourself. But no, you don't have to check yourself. Because no one's going to hold you accountable. Because that's what being a sports fan is. So Yankee fans, when you made fun of the Mets fans for being happy that they won two regular season games against the Yankees, good for you. You got to make fun of them. And guess what? When you're doing the exact same thing and planning the parade route, quote-unquote... Now that the Yankees beat the Mets, good for you. You get to do that too because there's no rules of being a fan. It's the wild, wild west. We could do whatever we want, and no one ever holds us accountable. And that's why people love it. But don't you see it already? The series goes perfectly because all four games were tight. The Yankees beat Max Scherzer in a game. Garrett Cole didn't pitch in any of the four games. Aaron Judge hit homered in three of the four games. The Mets walk off one of the games. These two games are close. They had the bases loaded. And they get out of it. Somehow, Juan Peralta walks the tightrope to get out of the the last game. And now the stage is set. We've been talking about it all year, but the Yankees have fallen off so incredibly, people stop talking about it. The stage is set for the Subway World Series. And I'm ready for it. I think it's going to be incredible if that happens. And now more than ever, you have the Yankees. Maybe they could start getting hot again. The two teams split. They're already talking about it. The Yankees won the two games at home. The Mets won their two games in their building. The fan bases are going to be traveling back and forth. The script is written. It's got to solve itself one way or another, and I hope it happens in the World Series this year. Do I want to face Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom in the World Series? No, I don't. But if the Yankees make it that far and the Mets happen to be there... I'm going to be there for it. I love it and I'm excited for it. And I think the season series, the way it went down, went down perfectly to set up what could be one of the most epic World Series we've had and one of the most epic New York sporting months or weeks that we've had in a really, really, really long time. One last baseball point before I get to the NFL as the NFL is really in full swing and I'm going to go through my fantasy rankings. I think I'm going to rank maybe the top 10, maybe the top 15 at each position. Um, coming up in the next couple of weeks tell you how my fantasy draft went uh, which I thought it went great obviously I'm one of those guys and I think a lot of people are those guys you draft your team and the reason why fantasy trades don't happen often enough is because everyone drafts their team and then falls in love with their team guilty I'm one of those guys so most people are one of those guys but I think my team is awesome especially for how my league is set up so we'll talk about fantasy football a little bit coming up but before then I did want to talk about one more thing. If you go back, since we're going back in time and forward in time, you go back to what I said after the home run derby. I said, Albert Poole's changed his approach because he didn't really seem to care. It's his last year of his career. He didn't care to ruin his swing. So he stood a little bit more upright. He wasn't as crouched. He had a little bit of a higher leg kick and he just started hitting bombs in the home run derby. Guess what? He's carried that over now to the second half of the season, and he's hitting home run after home run, and he's well on his way. Hopefully, we'll get to the 700 home run mark. He's a couple behind A-Rod now, who is 696 in his career. I'm really excited. I think it's been fun. It's been a good subplot, and he's doing it on the team he started his career with, and he's doing it on a team that it actually really matters. And come October, if he's a pinch hitter for the St. Louis Cardinals and he's coming up to the plate in a big spot, it's gonna be fun to watch that guy get up there, have that clutch gene, and hopefully come through for the St. Louis Cardinals at some point, whether it's down the stretch of the season in October or maybe even in the World Series, coming through with a big home run for the team that he started his career with, the team that he's ending his career with. That's gonna be awesome. Speaking of Albert Poole's ending his career, Miguel Cabrera, this is just hilarious if you ask me. Miguel Cabrera decided eh, I'm not retiring. I'm going to opt into the final year of my contract and $36 million. Smart move, Miguel Cabrera. Must have been a difficult decision to make. He, didn't want, he claimed he didn't want to go out hurt because uh, he's probably done for the year with the injury. So he claimed he didn't want to go out hurt. But, you know, $36 million, yeah, I'll take it too if you have an extra $36 million sitting on the table that you just give up if you retire. Yeah, I'd also come back for the last year. It's not that difficult to sit on the Tigers bench and take up a roster spot. Maybe they'll force him out halfway through next year. To the NFL, and since we're looking down the road to October... I got something that's sooner than October for you. It's going to be about September 20-something, let's say. Joe Flacco will have started the first two games for the Jets. He'll have the Ravens' revenge game in week one. He'll have thrown five touchdowns and been deemed a lead all over again. He has Elijah Moore already saying on the Monday night broadcast of the game that they had against the Atlanta Falcons, I don't see much difference between Joe Flacco and Zach Wilson in practice. Not something you want to hear if you're Zach Wilson. Do I think those comments are a big deal? Probably not. He's just trying to stay politically correct and praise both quarterbacks, say that he doesn't see much of a difference. And maybe you could even look at it as a positive. Maybe you could look at it as a compliment for Zach Wilson. I don't see much difference between a guy who's a 15-year veteran Super Bowl champion and a guy who's in his second year in the league and hasn't done anything, hasn't even started 16 games yet in his career. That's actually a compliment for Zach Wilson. Or maybe he's saying, Joe Flacco looks really good, and all we hear from Jets camp is how good Joe Flacco looks. And when he wins game one, and they say, yeah, we're going to slow play it with Zach Wilson, we want to make sure he's 100%, and he comes back and he plays against Cleveland, a team that he's played against a lot in his career. He beats Cleveland without Deshaun Watson in week two. And all of a sudden, the stories are going to come in, flowing in. So do we want to have this discussion now? Can we get out in front of it, or do we have to wait? Till the Jets are 2-0 and and Joe Flacco started the first two games for them to have the debate. Hey, um, uh, this is uh, Joe in Queens. I just want to say I think the Jets should actually uh, keep Zach Wilson on the bench because Joe Flacco, he's really proven. Maybe he's the, the, the franchise quarterback. Maybe he's the quarterback we finally need. He's not the quarterback we finally need. And having Joe Flacco win you 10 games this year does nothing for you as a franchise. Yes, Joe Flacco is going to win you a bunch of games. He's a veteran. If he actually still has it in him the way everyone at Jets camp is raving that he does, then he could win you a couple of games. But we have a rookie quarterback or a second-year quarterback who hasn't even played, like I said, 16 games in the NFL this year or in his career yet. And we need to see if he's the future or not. And yes, in a perfect world, it would be like the old days with Aaron Rodgers sitting for a few years behind Brett Favre. We'd have these guys sit for the first couple years of their career. Even Patrick Mahomes sat for a year of his career. And I said it would be a good thing for Zach Wilson to go through the process of preparing for a week like he's the starting quarterback and then sitting and watching as Joe Flacco actually does it in game. I think that's a good thing for Zach Wilson. But in the NFL, we've screwed ourselves with these huge contracts. We've gotten to the point where you need to know by year four because the fifth-year option is so much money. And if you're putting an investment in that guy for that fifth-year option, you need to know if he's the guy. And unfortunately, unless he plays every game in his second year, in his third year, in his fourth year, you're not going to know if he's the guy. And the Jets need to know sooner rather than later. So Joe Flacco, yes, he could win you a bunch of games. Maybe you win four, five, six, seven games. And when the Jets start off 2 and 0 In case you didn't get it earlier, that was an imitation of a WFAN caller, a classic FAN caller calling in and saying that Joe Flacco should remain the starting quarterback. But no, this is about the future. This is not about right now. Now, I think there will be an internal debate, though. I don't think it's as simple as I said it. Yeah, I just said the answer is an easy no. It's an easy Zach Wilson is the starting quarterback. But I think there's actually an internal debate that's going to go on. If Zach Wilson is not good... If Zach Wilson doesn't look great in practice, and Joe Flacco is actually winning you a couple of games, Joe Douglas, the general manager, might be looking at Robert Sala and saying, I need you to keep starting Flacco, and here's why. JD has been here longer than Robert Sala. Robert Sala, theoretically, has a longer rope, right? JD's already had a couple of drafts. He had the snafu with Denzel Mims, who actually seems like he's playing pretty well so far in preseason, but who knows? He's had... Makai Becton go back in back-to-back seasons with an injury. He can't have the guy that he claimed is the franchise quarterback, Zach Wilson, go down and not be the starting quarterback. He can't have failed that pick too. So you'd think he'd want Zach Wilson to play, but I just told you he'd want Joe Flacco to play because he needs wins. You're not going to fire a guy after you won 10 games, after the team improved incredibly. So he might look at the front office and say, you're right, I got the quarterback wrong. I took him second overall. We're not sure what he has yet. But look, I put the perfect infrastructure around him. This team is really good that with an over-the-hill, formerly solid quarterback in Joe Flacco, we're winning 10 games. So I've actually built an incredible roster. And if you give it some time, I really think Wilson could either develop or we could go out and get a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo or something to be the starting quarterback for this franchise. So Joe Douglas, like I said, as much as he needs to prove that Zach Wilson is the starting quarterback and can be the starting quarterback long term for this team, what he might need more than that is for the Jets to prove that they can win 9 or 10 games this year so that he proves that the roster he built over the last three years is not a complete disaster. So there, that internal debate is going to be heated. Yes, it's his quarterback. It's the quarterback that he laid his entire stake on. But does he choose the quarterback or does he choose the rest of the roster that he built? Hopefully they don't get to that. I want them to start off 2-0. I think Joe Flacco will start the first game or two. But guess what? They have to go to Zach Wilson after that. And I just hope, I pray to God, that Zach Wilson is capable of taking over this team with a 2-0 and start, a confident bunch, and leading them to where this Jet team needs to go. But I guarantee you, one way or another, whatever happens, unless Flacco loses a couple of games to start the year, which I don't think is going to happen. Like I said, they're pretty easy games. I think he'll win the first two games. And if that happens, there's going to be that debate. And I'll give you that preview now. Middle of October, end of September, we're going to be talking about should Joe Flacco continue to start for the Jets? It's going to be all over the place. I'm just preparing you that Monday after week two against the Browns when the Jets are 2-0. That's what we're going to be talking about. Can't wait to tell you I told you so. Anyone else watching Hard Knocks? Um, <laughs> I'm watching it. I think a lot of people do watch it. And... Somehow HBO does this thing where every single year they buy me back in. They, they keep making me think that, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, no, this team is going to be great. This team, like, putting future bets on the Lions to win the Super Bowl or even make the playoffs when they're probably going to be like a 4-5 win team is hilarious. But that's the power of HBO. Reality TV, they really make you buy in. They're so good at it. And the different, like, things that they do, like, there are things that they've done in every single season of Hard Knocks so far. They've had the same gimmicks and we still fall for it. The second episode featured a third string quarterback or maybe even a fourth string quarterback who's going to get cut and they make you feel emotionally attached to him throughout the episode. They make you, they tell you the story of him and his wife and them coming up and this whole thing and it's really nice and you fall in love with this guy and guess what? He throws a pick to lose the game at the end of the game and all of a sudden it's like, oh no, He's going to get cut. He lost his spot on the team. The quarterback who played behind him is going to win the backup spot, and he's going to be cut. But they do this every single time. They wouldn't have made you fall in love with him if they didn't know he was going to get cut beforehand. He's a third-string quarterback who stinks on an NFL roster. He's like five foot ten. <laughs> so they make you fall in love with him. They humanize him just so that they can intensify the cutting process when they have to cut him. I still think it's awesome. I want Amon Ross St. Brown on my fantasy team. I didn't draft him in the end, but I have him as one of the top receivers in the league this year because of Knocks, and they really have an incredible power, and they trick me every time, and I know I'm about to get fooled, and I still fall for it, so there's that. If you're not watching Hard Knocks, go watch. It's pretty fun. The last story I want to talk about in the NFL as we approach the NFL season is a story that for the most part has been a non-story, if it's possible to say that, and I think that it should be way more of a story than people are giving attention to. And that's Tom Brady. Tom Brady was absent from Buck's camp for 10 days. He just wanted some time off and they said it's fine. And we always talk about how he went from Bill Belichick and the strict rules and all that stuff to Todd Bowles or really to Bruce Arians first. And it wasn't as strict anymore. And he just wanted to hang out. He wants to have fun. He's doing the Tommy and Gronky stuff and all that stuff. But it didn't take away from who he was. Still incredibly hard worker. Still keeps his body in tip top shape. And still performed extremely well, won a Super Bowl, went to another, right? Or almost went to another, I should say. That's all well and good. But then something changed this year. He says, you know what? I'm not down with the head coach anymore. I want Todd Bowles to be the head coach. And now probably Todd Bowles feels indebted to him. He gave him his head coaching job in the NFL. He gave him a second chance at this. So who's really running it? Is it like LeBron James when he hires a head coach that really we know LeBron James is running the team, is running the franchise? Like this could be an interesting situation, and every time we start to doubt Brady over the last seven, ten years, we've been starting to doubt Brady. I think there's that video of Max Kellerman from like 2012 saying fade Brady. I don't remember if it was actually 2012, but it was like a really long time ago. Like I think it was three or four Brady Super Bowls ago. And obviously, Max Kellerman gets paid to have hot takes, and he's fake. He doesn't actually mean what he says. It's a, it's an act. It's fake. Congratulations, if you don't know that yet, now you do. But maybe this is exactly it. We're so used to thinking, don't doubt Brady. Every time you doubt him, he actually proves you wrong. So nobody's talking about this. But him taking 10 days off, if a big part of who Brady is, is his work ethic, is him staying committed, is him being mentally locked in. If that's who the quarterback Tom Brady is, that's what's made him such a great quarterback because he's not better at throwing the ball than you. He's not better at reading the defense. There's nothing he does better. No single thing I should say that he does better than every other quarterback in the league other than being insanely focused and insanely committed. And that's what he is better at than any other quarterback of all time. And it's what's made him the greatest quarterback of all time. But if he's starting to lose some of that, is that what ultimately becomes maybe the beginning of the end for Tom Brady? I don't want to say the downfall of Tom Brady. That seems insane. But maybe it's the beginning of the end and he's showing probably starting to show it. Or maybe he's just trying to prove us all wrong all over again. 45 years old. Chosen new head coach, Todd Bowles, who failed terribly in New York. Went away for 10 days during training camp. None of it matters. I'm going to be awesome again. Because I'm Tom effing Brady. And if that's the case, good for Tom Brady. And great for the NFL because it will be a great storyline throughout the entire season. Anyway, I'm going to come back with... My fantasy rankings for everyone. I'm also going to do a full NFL preview podcast where I go through each conference and go through uh, each division in each conference and break down what I think is going to happen, some of the sleeper teams who might emerge as a team that could win the Super Bowl. I see, a lot of people think the Eagles might win the best record in the NFL, might have the best record in the NFL this year. Patrick Mahomes is being slept on a little bit. Don't sleep on Patrick Mahomes. Um, So lots of other stuff. Football is ramping up. Baseball is finally winding down. And we are also, guess, ramping up towards the MLB playoffs. And hopefully the Yankees are on the up and up like we talked about. And that should be fun. Hopefully we are on a crash collision collision for a Subway Series World Series. Lots of fun stuff to talk about. During the NFL season, I'm going to try and do my three times a week. And it should be pretty easy if you think about it. I should be doing Sunday nights where I'm going to recap everything that happened on Sunday and preview Monday or Monday Night Football, immediate reaction to everything that happened on Sunday and preview Monday Night Football. My Wednesday morning podcast is going to be talking about Monday Night Football, previewing Thursday Night Football, and talking about the week's storylines. Then my Friday night is going to be recapping Thursday Night Football and previewing Sunday game by game, picking all the games. So it should work out for me to do three episodes a week and to have them really scheduled. And if something else happens in the NBA world, MLB world, of course, I'll jump on that. Um, But It should be like a very scripted every day or every time you see a podcast on Monday morning, on Wednesday morning and Friday morning. You should know what you're getting. Um, So hopefully I will get uh, in a consistent schedule and hopefully my throat can keep up with it because for some reason I have a little bit of a sore throat, probably from all the yelling I do. (laughs) It's not that shocking, Um, but I'm going to try and do a little tea, a little hot water. We'll see what happens. Maybe even hot coffee instead of maybe it's because I've been drinking cold brew and iced coffee the entire winter, uh, entire summer maybe that's the reason. So lots of fun stuff to talk about. I do want to talk about my career. I keep teasing that episode. It's going to happen at some point in the next few days. Um, I don't think I'm going to do it here. I think I'm going to sit at home. I really want to like sit and talk about it um, and, and make it a, a video production as well for people to see on YouTube um, and a lot of other stuff. So uh, you know, hopefully all good things, uh, working on a whole bunch of stuff, um, always trying to Jump forward to the next stage of my career and trying to build on previous things Um, It's a lot going on a lot of stuff. It's been a fun summer. I'm enjoying doing this podcast more than ever I really am. I I love that. I have a platform to talk about these things And so I really appreciate everyone giving that me that platform and listening and if you listen and support this It's you're a really good friend. (laughs) So I appreciate you So if you are a good friend and you consider me a friend, please like subscribe rate review i hate being a self-promoter but i have to say it every time and until next time i will see you all later
1: you were the best nights of my life you got the light that away shines i miss the way that you move and the way i get high when you take me to your eyes like i'm standing in the sky I see your subway causing old graffiti I breathe your air when I land in another city I'll be that one that's got you printed on my bones Yeah, you're all I know Drive down Riverside, see the birds flying on the high line, With sidewalks burning, we pray for rain in July. I, I want well the Yankees 99 yeah. and the Knicks on a sold out night. When the curtains close and the Broadway streets are alive. I need your heartbeat close, don't you ever leave me? And I breathe your air when I land in another city. One that's got you printed on my bows Yeah you're all I- I was God sent. I used to hit them courts y'all so in Prospect. Take them long walks on my time, spending just a kid with that Empire State mindset. Kick flipping off a blind deck, dipping from the New York city's finest. Yeah, said I've been up on my New York shit, walking down the block with my New York bitch. I can never leave my city, ain't nothing like it. Even if I do though, I could never hide it. Top down on the West Side when I'm driving, East Side be the only side that I'm riding.